Welcome to the Rev Thinking Podcast. I'm Tim Thompson, founder and chief revolution thinker at RevThink. This holiday season, we at RevThink are taking a turn from our regular Rev Thinking programming to bring you a series of six episodes from our podcast called The Fabulist. The Fabulous comes from the intriguing mind of my friend and fellow Rev Thinker, Joel Pilger, who wore the title of Global Consultant to the Fullest and embarked on a journey to uncover the stories of some of the world's most interesting studios and production companies. His interviews, deeply insightful and distinct, are a capsule collection of legacy conversations from some of the brightest creative slash business minds in our industry. As 2023 draws to a close, we're excited to share these conversations with you. Each day, for these last six days of the year, we'll unwrap one of these remarkable discussions, offering both a retrospective and a glimpse into what 2024 might hold. We hope you enjoy these narratives as much as we do, and find your own inspiration and reflection as we look forward to a new season of thriving in business, life, and career. Happy holidays, and here's to a new season of creating your future. What is a brand? Is it a company, a product, a feeling, or a mission? Is it the logo on a pair of Columbia shoes or the conservational and humanitarian efforts of Columbia's leadership? Our guest today, Bayat, thinks about this a lot. For 20 years now, he has been the CCO of Loyal Casper, an international branding agency whose clients include, well, basically everyone on the landing page of your streaming device, Hulu, Paramount Plus, Peacock, ESPN, and many more. The header on the Loyal Casper website says, we think like an agency, design like a studio, and create like a production company. And now they do even more than that because last year, Bayot published his first book, Somewhere Yes, which takes a deep dive into the phenomenon of branding and how it fits into the history and even the future of human relationships. Bayat is a fabulist, if ever there was one, and it's a pleasure to have him on the show today. Bayat, congratulations. You made the list. And what I'm excited about is, I'm going to say this for anyone listening, you and I have hung out, but mostly just casually, I would consider us acquaintances because we've seen each other at conferences and stuff over the years. So thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to have made the list. (laughs) I feel honored. I feel honored. (laughs) I do like to mention my definition of what is a fabulist. It's a rare breed in our world of a human such as yourself. And I live this life too that you're so obsessed with creativity, but also with freedom, that you dare to launch a company, create an enterprise, and risk all this difficulty and challenge and doing things the unconventional way. But along the way, you figure it out and you end up building something really special and beautiful. And I even say in some cases, like your own little empire or legacy or what have you. Do you feel like that's the life you're living? I think when you put it that way, I would probably agree with that. What I would say is that at least from from my perspective or for this particular little enterprise, it didn't come about that consciously, right? It was when David and I met, we were writing screenplays together, right? So that's how we connected. And then David's like one day, you know what? We should just do some of this design stuff on the side so we can like make some money while we do this. And here we are 20 plus years later. 
it wasn't conscious, but so screenplays. Yeah, we're writing a screenplay together. And did did you ever get any traction doing the screenplay oh, thing? Oh no, absolutely not. No, David went out. David took a trip out to LA. He's I'm gonna get us a three picture deal, and then he came back about two weeks later. I don't think that really happened. So shortly after this, you start doing. What was it again on the side? This design thing? Yeah, that's the graphic design thing. And was it motion at that time? Yeah, David and I met at Attic, if you remember. Oh, yeah. That. But so wait, for was, someone listening, Attic was... So Attic was a uh, design company, an English design company, started in Huddersfield, north of England, and then opened an office in London, then New York, and then San Francisco, and then Sydney. So this was mid to late 90s. And... I stumbled upon their work on a trip to New York and basically dropped off my portfolio. And then there I was a few months later. So that's where we met. And it was the late 90s. And I know I'm dating myself now, but it was a pretty awesome time. But then... And were you first designer or were you a motion guy to start? Yeah, no, I was a graphic designer. So I graduated from Art Center in Pasadena. Graphic design. I took a couple of film classes and a couple of animation classes, but that was really not my thing at all. And your now business partner, David, what was he doing at Attic? He was a producer. He was a producer. Yeah. So shortly after this, you have this, when the three-picture deal fell through. Yeah, it did fall through. It did fall through. <laughs> you start this design company, and was that the birth of Loyal Casper? Yeah. And this was in the mid-90s, late-90s? This was, so we met, I came to New York in 98. We probably met in 2000 and started Loyal Casper in 2003. Okay. Okay, in 03. And say my mom was sitting here and she was like, okay, what's Loyal Casper? What are you guys about? What do you do? How do you, uh, how do you answer that in layperson terms? I've been trying to figure that out to explain to my mom for, for a long time. She's um, still wondering. Yeah, I think my family mostly knows that I make moving images for TV. It's, I'm not sure that, that the sort of distinction between branding and advertising is really all that clear to them. And yeah. frankly, it's getting a little more blurry these days. But I did a little research and I'll say I did read this and it came off like a mini bio. It said he spends his days dwelling on what it takes for brands to tell cohesive and compelling stories. And he spends his nights contemplating the effects of those brands on their audiences. Do you feel like that's your job? Like not just professionally, but even personally, that's like your, it's what you do. I think we'll talk about that later, but that book is the, is the result of those nights. I just, I think I'm just curious. And I think ultimately that's sort of, that's defined our journey. We started out doing, yeah, small design motion graphics things for networks. And then next thing you know, is you go, can you guys shoot film video? You're like, Sure, we'll figure it out. And then another point is, can you guys do strategy? And then you figure that out, right? So I just learning stuff. I like thinking about things, maybe to a fault. It's just interesting to me what we do, because we produce something that goes out into the world, right? And we're in the communications business. And in theory, what we make should touch people on an emotional level, or at least help them navigate find their way through the world. And I just like to keep thinking about it. And I somehow I can't really turn my brain off, right? So it's part of what I do. Yeah. So thanks for mentioning the book, which we're gonna definitely get to sitting here in my hot little hands. I love the word that you just used there a second ago, which was curiosity. 
after all these years, it sounds like you're still curious. Yes. The thing that I'm afraid of most almost is to repeat ourselves and do the same thing that we did a couple of years ago or on the last job. So that's the thing that I feel like in every project, at least I personally look for something that I haven't done before or haven't tried before or a technique I haven't tried before or something. Every time there's a logo assignment and there's a budget to properly do it, I like to bring in like at least one new person to one new freelancer just to see what they have to offer. So it really is a magical job that we have. It's a magical process. And I feel like curiosity, you need to have it. You're like even to make a new version of a logo or a new version of a typeface. Like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I did this. Or I wonder what would happen if I made this thinner. Or I wonder what would happen if I made this red instead of yellow. That's just, to me, that's the process of unearthing. And I was talking to somebody recently and I who came up with this analogy, it's almost like a sculptor. Like when you sculpt a piece of type or a word mark or a logo, it's you try something, you have this piece of clay and you keep shaving away and keep shaving away. And then at some point you're like, oh, this sucks. And then you slam it down on the floor and then you pick it up and make the ball again and you do it again. So let me, let me reference the book because I'm excited to dive into this because this could be its own podcast series. It could be. Right. If Are I you... love public speaking, I should do it. I know. All right. Work on that, right? Maybe I'll I'll draw you into my world more. <laughs> All right. So you're principal at this agency. And can I use that word agency? Yeah. That... Okay. Obviously running a business, serving clients. For anyone that doesn't know, the clients are what I would it be safe to call them entertainment clients is really the wheelhouse of the people that you serve. Yeah. So TV networks, streamers. Yeah, entertainment, content. Yeah. And then one day you decide to make this. So what I'm holding in my hands, is this the first printing? What, what do we call yeah, this? That's the first first shipment. First shipment of Somewhere Yes, which is this really cool book that I'll just tell you, now that I'm here holding it, smelling it, touching it, part of me trembles because I look at how much freaking work this is. I haven't done it yet. And that's why I've made several attempts. So I'm just going to start off by saying, why the heck did you sign up to do this? Because this must have been a really massive undertaking. It was a big undertaking. And I think it's probably about, yeah, four and a half years, something like that. I will say this, that I didn't just wake up one day and decide to do that. It goes back a little bit further. I've always had the urge to do things on the side, meaning projects, work that was not mandated by a client. For a while, we had an internal sub-agency called the Betterment Bureau. That was a few years ago, 10, 15 years ago, where we basically took on non-profit assignments. Mm -hmm. And we would stay on Tuesday nights. Hmm. Whoever wanted to stay could stay. And we had a few beers and made work that Tried to make the world a better place. Yes, no, exactly. That's very cool. So we did that. There's a few projects that come out of that. There's We did the opening title sequence for Amnesty International's 50th. It was like a conference and we did the open for that and things like that. So we did that for a while. And then when we had little kids, the eye patches came out and we worked on, we actually published a children's story on an iPad, which was also awesome. That was a couple of years we did that. Point being, I bring that up because... I've never felt like whole if I'm just a designer. So 
it didn't come out of nowhere. I'm used to spending, as you said, my days or my nights thinking about other things. And then a few years ago, probably five years ago, there was an internal thought that I should be giving more talks. And as you, as I've mentioned before, public speaking isn't really my thing. David actually connected me with a friend of his who was a speaking coach. And I worked with her for a few months with the idea that I'd be writing my TED Talk. And I did that and I started writing just things down. And then halfway through the process, I realized that I really don't like talking about just myself, that I like talking about a project. And then that's when the idea of a book came about. So I used the stuff that I worked with her to unearth distill and that was the sort of the basis for this yeah something i read in the background was when i was thinking i was curious like what's the origin and i found this where it was it said inspired by the theme of branding as belonging Mm -hmm. and this was this the original yeah that's whatever idea or talk or something that was exactly yeah i worked with her and i said that and she was like that's it that's your thing and i'm like really (laughs) so that was the genesis of some talks but then that transmogrified or something into the book yeah so the here. book came out of my distaste for public speaking. And now I find myself speaking publicly about the book. So there you go. <laughs> you never end up getting what you really want. <laughs> the Let's see here. The tagline. Let me see if I'm getting this right here. Okay. So the book, Somewhere Guess. The Search for Belonging in a World Shaped by Branding yep. is an exploration of the power of brands for both unifying and destructive purposes. When I got to go through it, I was like, yeah, this actually does sum it up nicer than I can do. Because it's blanketed with illustrations, photography, symbols, design. Okay, the book takes readers on a visual journey that challenges them to question what branding is, how it works, and ultimately if it has the capacity to help our culture recover from its recent dystopian trajectory. Now, that if I had read that before I went through the book, I would have probably been way more curious about what I was about to experience. But I went into this very cold because you sent me the the PDF or whatever a while ago. And it's funny because as a, I don't know, call it modern skeptic, hopefully not cynic. My first thought was, okay, another book on branding. All right, let's see what Bayat's got got to say on this. And it wasn't at all what I expected. I was very surprised by the amount of bigger context because there's like anthropology and psychology and linguistics. And I found myself thinking, this is very refreshing to go to that level and depth. And there's a lot of questioning. So how did you get from a keynote, a TED Talk? At what point did did you say, this needs to be a book? As I said earlier, I think... I'm happiest if I could just make something, right? And and just, of course, a keynote presentation, a talk is also something that you make and you shape. But I feel like something more tangible, like a book, just made a lot more sense to me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then just to your earlier point, to a certain degree, I almost didn't want branding on the cover or the subline. Originally, it was called the book of branding or the book of belonging or something like that. And branding is kind of a turnoff in that sense, right? Because it... What I did not want, it can go two ways. Number one is it can go the how-to way, how to brand, mm-hmm. right? And you get into the all like, okay, you need you need a purpose and you need pillars and you need a position and all that stuff. We do it a certain way, it works, but who am I? I'm not an authority on that. There's other people who do it in another way and it probably works just as well. So I, I wasn't really interested in that. And then 
the other way I feel like it could have gone is gone into sort of a dissertation or a very academic world. And I also didn't want to do that. I'm not that kind of writer. It always wanted to be visual and it wanted to be designed a certain way with writing and with words, because words are super important to me, even in designing. We talk about strategy and distilling words down to the sort of essence. So in that sense, they've always been part of my work. I really wanted it to be this kind of back and forth between visuals and words. And I love books that you have on your desk and you don't just read them once, you pick them up and you read a couple pages, you put them back down. A couple months later, you pick it up again and you're like, oh shit. Oh, can I say that? Oh, you can I on network. This, I remember this. Or yeah. oh, I just read this one part and I want to figure out how this connects to something else that popped in my head. So I love those kind of things. And I really wanted to yeah, create something that has also levels of reading it, right? You could just look at the pictures. You could just read the headlines. And if you just read the headlines, which are on the upper left-hand corner, you can go on the very superficial journey with me. And then you can start going a little bit deeper. And then you have the paragraphs. And then all the way down on the bottom, you have my color commentary, right? So there's four different levels you can read it, which that was, I thought that was interesting. And I really wanted to different create something that people could engage with differently on different levels. The thing I think that initially hooked me right from the start was <clears throat> this is not a book or a set of thoughts and principles about here's why a logo resonates or something. There's a maybe a, a tiny bit of that, but you really went to a much more human level. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull a couple quotes here because I, I hopefully am ca catching my highlights here. So one thing that you you said here. The brand is the most ubiquitous and influential entity of our time. Well, first of all, I love that's a very unequivocal statement. But then when I'm like, what do you mean by brand in that context? And then I'm going forward a couple of pages. And now it's a very human statement where you say brands mark our status. You're talking about individuals. Brands mark our status, signify our value, and let us broadcast to the world, this is who I am. And now I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You're, you shifted my thinking from, okay, sure, I have an Apple computer and I think I know what the Apple brand is, again, as a neophyte. But now you've flipped it and said, no, every way in which I mark my status or I signify my value or what it is that I'm trying to broadcast the world about, this is who I am, that's a brand as well. And now it's like the definition just got way bigger and way broader. So then I think my next thought was, how the hell is he going to pay off that? And that's when I realized, oh, there's almost 200 pages here. <laughs> I think he's, in, he's on a journey to work that out. That's a, did you ever say, why the hell did I bite off so much on this journey? Because that seems oh, like yeah, such sure. a tall order to be like, I'm going to make like that big of a statement and try and bring it home. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause that's a big assertion, right? And you've got what, you've got 180 pages after this point to prove to me this point. That was the biggest, that was my biggest. And I went back and forth with my editor, like for a few weeks, just what's the takeaway? I'm like, what I need to take a, can't this just be my like journey of grappling with this? So 
You're absolutely right. And that actually freaked freak me out because it's a really, ultimately, I think I have a few more sort of concrete things in there at the very end that are my quote unquote takeaways. But you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of it is really is me grappling with the thing that I do and what I and how I contribute to the world that we live in. So many times you should ask my wife, but many times have I grappled with that. And at some point it really has felt that it's too much. I can't do it. <laughs> and then I've complained to her many times too, is I can't do this. I can't finish it. Was it the editor that somehow kept coming back and helping you stay true to the essence and stick to the thread that weaves throughout and finally gets you to the final page. Well, yes, in some ways. And I think in a way, it's almost like a great creative director, right? A great creative director doesn't tell you the solution, just asks the few most important questions that then make you go back and, okay, now, okay, now I figured it out. So it really wasn't like, oh, I need this and this at the end, and these need to be the takeaways. It's just asking the right questions and then giving you the sort of freedom to explore them. And yeah, those my my final truths or whatever I have in there. This, th those are my quote unquote takeaways, just more concrete, concrete ways, more tangible ways, more actionable ways that, you know, yeah, just more, more, more tangible thoughts. I, but it wasn't like this wasn't like her thing that this is how it needed to end. It was right. just and are they the best ones? I don't know. But but to your point, to go back to curiosity, I'm just curious. I just OK, so. We create, a, as brand builders, right? We make something that goes out there in the world. How do people interact with it? You actually, you just said it. You have an Apple computer. You have, I don't know what shoes you have, but you have a certain kind of shoes. You have, <laughs> Columbia. so like, how do they, yeah. Like, why do you buy certain things? How does it make you feel? Do you do it consciously or subconsciously? And I'm, there's studies on all that stuff, how that works. But I just, I'm interested in, I'm just interested in things. I think there was, when you get into that beginning, that big assertion yeah. of how ubiquitous branding is, it's not just something that companies do in order to sell stuff. Yeah. You basically say everybody does it. Some do it for profit, for other reasons, and it's rarely done in private. Just interesting. And then the middle of the book, is there's a certain amount of exploring the dark side and the dystopian of how branding symbols and shortcuts are used for good, but often perhaps not. And in a way, I could almost see where that could be the statement. That, that, that could have almost been the point of the book is, hey, here's this tool or this thing, use it for good, use it for ill, and obviously let's use it for good. Yeah. But it doesn't end there. So you do go into this, call it third act, which is what's the big arc that you're trying to ultimately get through because you do have these three acts in the book can you yeah. can you tell us Go about humans. those you're absolutely right so the, the second act really is my take on deconstructing the sort of history of not just branding but also just human communication right of how symbols on a cave right turned into a very sort of representative symbols of the world that was outside right it, it's a horse or it's a bison and like we go and hunt it right <laughs> and then somehow over time these symbols became more refined but less literal right and then we make the transition to letter forms that then allow us to stitch together 
words and then sentences and then paragraphs and thoughts. And that to me is fascinating. The discipline of human messaging, if you think about it, has been so refined now over the last few thousand years. It's incredible. And now on top of that, we've devised a delivery system with the internet, right? <laughs> Where literally every human being can get their messages and thoughts out into the world like instantly, right? So we have an extremely refined way of communicating and we have an extremely evolved delivery system, which is incredible. And there's an enormous power in that. But if you think about it, bad actors are, have, also have access to both of those things and manipulating people right? Because that's the other thing, the sort of flip side of that coin is propaganda and misinformation and all those things. And you have bad actors using those really refined tools of human communication and branding, and they can get it out into the world through this extremely efficient mechanism, right? right. So it's pretty frightening. So my point is, at the, towards the end of the book is, let's, let's use this power for good and not for evil. And I know that sounds really simple, but I also make a point of pointing out in the book that we're one species, right? Living on this tiny speck in the universe. And if you looked at it from far away, or if you're an alien landing on this earth today, be like, what on earth are these people fighting about? This is ludicrous. So point being, I feel you can call it branding, you can call it messaging, whatever you want. But if we can use this power for good, meaning as simple as let's call the climate crisis what it is. Now, let's not call it global warming. That sounds nice and balmy and I want to go take out my swimsuit. It's a freaking crisis. That to me is a simple act of branding and branding it the right thing to really you get the urgency just through the language of the term itself. Let's call the insurrection what it is. It wasn't like it wasn't a, a gathering. It wasn't a gathering that oops turned a little turned a little wild. It was not that. It was meticulously planned and you know almost executed. Branding in that sense doesn't always need to be a logo. It doesn't need to be the perfect visual expression or a certain color or whatnot. It's about distilling a word, a thought, an idea, and getting out its clearest form so people really understand it. And here I want to reference because we were talking, you talked about Go Humans being like your third act. Because yeah. I want to reference this, right? Like you start off act one, this is our water. And I freaking loved the fish cartoon thing. I was like, oh my God, I've been looking for that for most of my life. Thank you. Act two was navigating the human zoo. <laughs> and then this last one was Go Humans. I want to read this because I think this is like the, if I was going to give a takeaway, right? This yeah. is maybe one of the takeaways in deference to your editor. The third act is where we challenge ourselves to rediscover a sense of belonging to each other and use branding as a tool that helps us create a shared sense of the threats and opportunities we face together. That's, a, that's what I'm looking for. It's an invitation. It's a cool invitation when I'm like, oh, go humans. That's an invitation to use th this set of principles and ideas to create an effect or a result in the world called rediscover a sense of belonging to each other. I don't know, that, to me, that's pretty beautiful. Am I putting my finger on it? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. This is what, I, even though I said I don't 
like public speaking. I've had a number of podcasts now. Every one of them like actually helps me understand this damn book more. Seriously, it's incredible. I really love it because as you can tell by my searching for the right words, it's hard for me to put some of this stuff into the right words when I try. But they're, but they're all here. So when this thing gets out there, is there a hope that you have for someone who picks it up and says, huh, and experiences it? What's a result or something that you get excited about when you think about this getting out there? So I would hope, and this is probably like way outside any reasonable expectations, but I have this one thing in there that I really, what I mentioned earlier, right? There's something about human beings, right? Human beings, just like a single letter form is pretty useless by itself. We can only survive and we've only built all these amazing things by working together, collaborating agreeing on certain freaking truths, right? And I would hope that, listen, even if it's just a couple of people, if they would get to, or just share that understanding that we can't do anything alone and we need to start by rediscovering a shared reality because I feel like that's part of the issue currently, right? That we're speaking we're all screaming at each other or screaming past each other. And we can't agree on like basic things that seem to happen around us every day. Words are part of the branding vocabulary. You're like, this is a book, right? We can agree on that. We can agree on it. But if we can't agree on really basic things, really large things that affect us all, and we can't agree on what it actually is, then how are we going to solve all the sort of existential threats that face this tiny little speck in the universe? I don't know. Listen, on a sort of like more practical note, I would think that, and again, I don't want to turn this into a political thing, but I feel like for people with progressive ideas, we need better branding. And that doesn't mean we need a new logo for the Democratic National Committee. They have a good logo. I think that's all good. But we need better ways to distill our ideas, describe them, get them out into the world so they're stronger, that they're memorable, people understand them. That's part of the issue of branding, right? Branding by necessity to become a marker in the world, sort of eye post, it sort of strips away a lot of complexity. and. That's the world we live in, right? All these brands screaming at you and there's very little nuance and complexity. So the challenge is that we need that part. We need the sort of symbols. We need to strip everything down and make them really memorable. But then somehow we need to also be able to deliver the nuance and the complexity as well. You make an interesting point about there are a certain, call it set of human motivations, let's call it, that are rooted in fear, hate. Like we all have these, we're yeah, human beings, right? Sure. And it is an interesting question to say when our brains create shortcuts for those types of ideas, is there a tendency to lose that nuance because our limbic brain maybe, mm. right, is so hungry to latch onto that thing and go into that fight or flight mode that there's almost a, we have to go against gravity perhaps. Maybe our brains are almost pre-wired 
to more readily latch on to something if it speaks to fear rather than if it speaks to the better angels of our nature, if you will. I think I think there's something to it. Again, that's where I don't, and I'm fully aware of the fact that I go into topics I'm absolutely no expert in. But like, you're, those are. I would love to do more thinking and more research on that because that, you're absolutely right. There's got to be something in that fight or flight mode, right? Mm-hmm. Like feels hardwired somehow. Imagine two. I'm going to use your language, right? If I engaged you to do branding for my brand, and here's here is the one that registers with my fear-driven psyche. Here's the one that resonates with what's the, I don't know what the other part of my <laughs> brain would be, but let's call it the one that is more nuanced and higher order. Yeah. The one that seeks peace and love and understanding and so forth. Something tells me that you're onto something that my brain probably latches on to the former more readily than the latter. And therefore, we have to, we, I say as an industry or as experts like yourself, be cognizant of that. Because that would, in a sense, would be inform part of your process. It would inform part of your, hey, if I'm leading someone towards a solution called branding, let's be aware. Let's be sensitive to this. That is pretty interesting. It's fascinating. I would love it. I don't even know who you would, who you would talk to about that look even behavioral psychologists maybe right something like that be fascinating so with that maybe that's book number two when you in another 10 or 20 years from now when you're insane enough to sign up for another one of these yeah i need a little bit of a break i was gonna say but um, with apologies to your wife and your editor (laughs) but truly i really and actually that's why i really i'm starting to actually really like doing this because as you as i mentioned earlier Every one of these discussions has brought out something else. There's something else you said earlier that I thought was super fascinating and that, or just the the way like one sentence or one page switched your perspective on it, which I thought was, again, not my intention in that particular point in the book, but I just love that. That's awesome. Thank you. To wrap it up, what's next, right? Like, obviously you're busy, busily running this yeah. Agency on a daily basis. This is out in the world on Amazon and all the other usual suspects. Yeah, it's published by Fast Company Press. Oh, very cool. Okay. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and IndieBound. And will this, do you think this will inform your client work like on a practical level? Will this be something you like hand a client and say, hey, I hope this brings meaning or value to your world and it might give you some insights as we go through this process of launching your next network or something? I had a meeting last week and I had a, I had one in my bag and then I was like, should I do that or is that cheesy? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. So to be determined, I, I get you though. I will say it, I have enormous respect for the fact that I never once, as I went through the book, picked up any slightest hint that this was some sort of self-aggrandizement or self-serving, oh, this is going to like move my career forward as a designer or something which is i, I love I really that it's hope. it's just really a book about ideas that i think yeah is that's the, the last culmination of I, your curiosity that's the last thing i wanted i really did not i think there's almost nothing <clears throat> to me at least nothing slimier than than yeah than that if that's all if that's what you took away from it i'm happy i'm thinking of a lot of people out there in the world that especially that are on the what you and i would call the client side right yeah. But they're, you know, I hope that they read it and then they 
will would be able to go through that process with someone like yourself or anyone in just a more intelligent, more educated way, hopefully in, with a much greater understanding of what we're doing besides trying to come up with a cool mark. Yeah. Right. And the responsibilities. Uh-huh. With great power does come great responsibility. And there are some brands not to be named that recently have definitely, in the entertainment media space, have have crossed over to the dark side and with grave consequences for humanity. <laughs> well, I think I, I can perhaps speak somewhat on behalf of our industry and say thank, thanks for writing it. But also thanks for your leadership role here at Loyal Casper and for being someone who I think is moving our industry forward and being more thoughtful, more informed, more responsible, hopefully. So thank you. Thank you very much. Big thanks to our guest Bayat for joining us today. Visit Loyal Casper online to find out more about him at loyalcasper.com. The Fabulist is a RevThink podcast. I invite you to join our community of creatives at revthink.com for thriving discussion groups with your peers, resources, and to help you grow your creative enterprise. Whether you're already at fabulous level or just figuring out how to run your up and coming studio, you'll find a welcoming, supportive, and pragmatic community of creative entrepreneurs and advisors. Apply for membership again at revthink.com. Our show, it's post-produced by the branded audio experts at Coop Studios Music and Sound Design. Our engineers were Taylor Marvin and Alex Hawley, produced by Celia St. Amant and Eric Singer. Our theme music was composed by Jake Sproul. Visit Coop online at coopstudios.com. Your host, well, that's me, Joel Pilger. Please like and subscribe and tell more creatives in your world about The Fabulist so we can keep telling more of these stories. Go to thefabulist.show for more episodes, transcripts, or to nominate someone to be a guest on a future episode and to give us your feedback on the show. Until then, keep on living a better story. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.